This is the EVP Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the EVP Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Beaker. And I am Ghosty, make Ghostface. As this is my full legal full, name. Full legal full name this episode. Name. This must be a special episode we're doing. <laughs> oh, Actually, we're back. We are back. That was a that was a long week off we had. It was. It didn't feel like <laughs> it. You. It's only been a week, but it doesn't feel like it's been a week. No, it wasn't long. It was. It flew by so fast. Every day flies bad. Well, bye. for you, I was on vacation for the last two weeks, so all my days just kind of like. Well, that makes it fly by even faster usually. No, not really. Ah. I had so much free time to do whatever I wanted. It was great. You felt like you had too much time off, except for doing research for the podcast. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's like homework no. all over again. We um, want to thank you for listening to our episode last week, the Hudson Valley Aliens. Yeah, UFO capital of the world. Yeah, Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? If you didn't listen to it already, uh, finish this episode and then go back and listen to it because it was a good episode. Yeah, New York. New York, Hudson Valley. I would have never thought that that would have been it. I thought it would have been like out here on the West Coast, you know, in the desert somewhere. Nope. I thought it would have been here in Utah, like Skinwalker yeah. Ranch or Dugway. Yeah, Utah, They're Nevada, super Arizona. hot spots. Yeah. Well, yeah, Area 51, too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. actually Roswell. Was it Roswell? Yeah, New, New Mexico? Mexico as well. Yeah. So, yeah. But no, not on the West Coast. Nope, it's New York. It's New York. Uh, but yeah, we did an investigation recently. The good old Benson Grist Mill. We've been in there a lot. Nothing really happened that I know of. I didn't get it's to kind do of any investigating. Night. No, but you got to eat a lot of good food. Oh my god, I was so full. I woke up full. You woke up full. Mm-hmm. Did you have any of the bacon wrapped pickles? I did. They I had delicious. a few of those. They were very delicious. Everything okay. was delicious. Everything was delicious. So I was actually that was supposed to be the last one I ever did. Yep, you said it. I got bullied into doing more. Yeah, everyone beat you up pretty good. So maybe we'll have like a contest or something for local listeners that want to come and join us on an investigation. And a potluck. And a potluck. It won't be till like May or June next year, so we've got plenty of time to think of something to get someone to come and investigate with us. If that's what you guys are interested in. Yeah, but you know what? In the meantime, we do have tickets still available for the Ritz Theater because we extended that out to the end of September. September 30th. It's a Saturday. We also reduced the prices of the tickets. If anyone looked, um, I don't think we mentioned the prices on the show. They're $50 a person. Yeah. Um, because it is uh, very limited on tickets. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're, we're only selling like a dozen tickets. The, the venue is very small, and we don't want to overcrowd it. So if you didn't get a chance to get tickets before, now's your chance. Yes. Do it. And then we will have a public investigation at Benson Grist Mill coming up on October 20th as well. Uh, we do not have tickets available for that, but... I'm making you aware of it so you can put it on your calendars. That is a Friday in October. So we'll let you know when tickets are coming out for that. Yes. So uh, now that we've got all that out of the way. All the legal mumbo All jumbo. the legal, yes. Our our lawyers uh, DVO. <laughs> our lawyers. Our, our lawyers DVO wanted us to. Yeah. Like an accountant. Yeah. Lawyer and accountant. And they got together and had a management. meeting. Management. DVO had a meeting with himself and then told us telepathically that he wanted us to do this at the mm-hmm. beginning of the show. Um, 
commercial insert in here. We're going to get a text message from him. So he's like, what is wrong with you guys? We get that almost weekly. He's like, you guys are weird. Um, it's true, though. Because you didn't know DVO is Ghosty's brother. And he does all of our social media. Yeah, that's right. It's my brother. So, so um, there's a movie that just hit Netflix recently. Right. And I wanted to watch it. We're just going to jump right in. Yeah, so this episode... uh i was super fascinated by it like the trailers looked really good when it came out earlier this year in like february or march when it came out starring russell crowe where he plays the pope's exorcist um when i heard this title i thought it was like the pope needed an exorcist like for himself like he was getting possessed or something (laughs) I had no I idea what totally the... I totally didn't take it that way. I, I just thought he was like... I didn't see any trailers to the movie. I just saw the name. That oh, was it. okay. Yeah, I saw Exorcist, and I was like, sweet. Because I knew they were making a, like a sequel to the 1973 Exorcist. And a lot of people that I talked to thought that this was that, but it's not. Uh, that one actually comes out in October. So they are doing a sequel. Oh, so they are doing They a are doing a sequel, and it's supposed to... I, I think they've extended the title. I don't know if you've seen the trailers for the new mm-hmm. Exorcist movie. It's about two girls that like go out in the woods and both the girls get possessed. This is all in the trailer. Um, so there is a new Exorcist movie coming out, but not the one that we're talking about now. This one's on Netflix. So, I mean, it was available for rent on like Peacock or Amazon Prime for quite a while. And I was really close to renting it. And then when I was on vacation, <laughs> I saw it was released on Netflix. So I watched it. And then I told Ghosty, you watch it. We're talking about The Pope's Exorcist. And I watched it. And and here we are. So here we are. So I'm going to say two things about it. One, I would probably rate it on a scale of like one to ten. I'd probably give it a, maybe a six. Yeah, I would probably in the in the sixes. Yeah. That's so about right. it is very, very, very loosely based on true events, and the reason why I say that is. The entire story is fictional, except for the fact that there was they actually used real people's names. Nope, just one person. One person's real name. They used one person's real name. <laughs> it Everything built the else whole was, story around this guy. They built this whole fictional story around this what guy. he does. So, uh, the the Pope's exorcist, played by Russell Crowe, his name is Father Gabriella Amort. 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 Yeah, Amort. Gabriella Amort. Um, he's, he was born in Italy on May 1st, 1925. Yep. Okay. So, uh, I believe his, his parents were into Catholicism when he was growing up. So he's been part of the Catholic church his whole life. Um, at the age of 18, they, I really didn't find anything before 18. So at the age of 18, he was drafted to fight for Mussolini's fascist regime during the World, World War, War II. II. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he fought for them, and shortly after the Nazis started turning Italy into a puppet state, he ended up joining an anti-fascist uh, resistance unit. So he kind of started fighting against Mussolini and the Nazis. And then this is where he started getting this like survivor's guilt. Yeah. All his buddies ended up getting killed, and he survived somehow. And they touch base on that in the movie. They do. They they put that in the movie. So some of the stuff about Father Mort in the movie 
is factual, but most of the story is, is, is fictional. So, I mean, it's a really good movie. Um, the reason why I give it a six out of 10 is because they, I, from what I've read, they like father and Morton knew that they were going to make a movie on him. And like, he even has books where he calls himself the Pope's exorcist. Mm -hmm. So the, the, I think the original story probably had something to do with one of his actual cases, but I guess after rewrites and, and more rewrites, they ended up with this story and, I, you know, originally when I watched it, I would probably give it like an eight. Like, I thought it was really good. There was parts that were really scary. And then I was like super fascinated about, I was scared and fascinated. <laughs> yeah, you were. Uh, about this story. And I was like, well, how much of this is actually true? And I was disappointed to find out that like zero percent of it's true other than the name, the name, uh, Father Locations. Mort. No, not even the location. Well, I mean, there's actually places in Italy with those same. Oh yeah, places are... in Italy. Well, so the the movie mainly takes place uh, place in Spain. Oh yeah. And uh, when I watched it with Brandy, she was uh, upset that she's like Spain doesn't look like that. I'm mm. like, okay, well, I mean, that's where they said the movie takes place. When I looked into it, it was shot at a castle in Ireland. Um, <laughs> so she was correct. That's not what Spain looks like. And she'll probably be like, I told you so. Um, but yeah, he um, fought in World War II. And I know like in the two years that he was in the war or in the, the military, he like rose up in ranks. He actually got like a commendation from Italy. I can't remember what they gave him. But he um, he did have a lot of survivor's guilt because his friends did die around him. And what I thought was interesting is that Russell Crowe, he actually did a lot of research on Father Mort because he wanted to portray him as accurate as he possibly could, which I thought was really cool of Russell Crowe. So Russell Crowe actually went and went on and said that the Second World War is raging. He ends up joining the resistance. And this is what he's saying about Father Mort. Um, he becomes a partisan fighter against the fascists. Now this man who had this calling to God had a gun in his hands and is shooting to kill. He gets wounded through that experience. He loses a lot of his friends, kids that he grew up with just die around him. He comes out of that experience with quite significant survivor's guilt. As he says in the film, to die in war is heroic, to survive a war is complex. And that's a quote from Russell Crowe. So Russell Crowe, from what I understand, like really admired the work that Father Moore did. And he, what do you he, think about his uh, accent? Oh, he's got some weird accents in his movies. <laughs> He's played all sorts of nationalities. Like he was a Spaniard in Gladiator. He's Italian in this one. What'd you think about his weird, like Russian Zeus accent? Though in Thor, yeah, yeah I don't, I, I don't think he that. does. I don't think he does accents very well. But, um, yeah, like, th how crazy would that be? Like you're at war, and like literally everyone around you is dying, and you survive. Oh, that would be that'd be scary shit, right? Yeah, and then like your let's say like your best friend gets shot and killed right in front of you in war, and you get to come home and he doesn't. Like imagine how you would feel. PTSD. Right. So uh, a little bit after the war ended, or when he was done in the war, um, he decided to kind of follow in the footsteps of his dad and his grandfather, who were both lawyers. So he started studying law. And he did that for a couple of years. I think he even got a degree, 
um, while he was studying law, he was actually part of an influential, influential political organization known as the Young Christian Democrats. Uh, while he was there, he served as a deputy to Julian, Julio Andrade. Julio. I, Julio. 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 I, it's Italian. Mm. I'm probably saying it wrong, and I apologize. Now, Andrade, was, he was actually a prominent figure in, the, in Italian politics, and he actually be, ended up becoming a prime minister later. So, Father Mort actually got to work with this guy. Um, it wasn't until 1954 when he was ordained a Roman Catholic priest. So, while he was studying law, I guess he decided that he his true passion was, was the church. Was in the Christ. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Passion. What was the name of the movie? I was trying to think. Passion. It was a Passion of the Christ. Passion of the Christ yeah. with Jim Caviezel. <laughs> yes. He, he likes to star in controversial films, but we're not going to get into that. Um, so yeah, nineteen fifty four, he becomes a Catholic priest. Now, it wasn't until nineteen eighty six, when he was sixty one, that he was appointed to be the assistant to the Vatican's chief exorcist, uh, who was Candino uh, Amanti. And again, I apologize if I'm saying these names wrong. I don't speak, don't speak Italian. A- I don't speak Italian. Yeah. Um, so all our Italian listeners are going to send us angry emails. Um, well, no, we won't be able to understand it anyway. Probably. So what I thought was interesting in the in the movie that it takes place in 1987. And they have it set up to where he has years of experience as an exorcist at this point in 1987, right? Yeah. Yeah, 1986 when he became the assistant to the chief exorcist, he had zero experience. Really? Yep. So it made it seem like he had a lot beforehand. Like he yeah. was already knowing about stuff and was kind of like there and seeing it firsthand, but none, he never did. Not until, no, not until 1986 when he became the assistant to Candido. So what made him go in that direction though, of the exorcisms? Uh, I would speculate that it was just, he wanted to help people kind of like why we do paranormal. Like, we just well, I mean, to... was he having anything that was happening to him to make him want to Go in that direction? Did he see? Any Not that exorcisms? I'm aware of. I think I think the way it works with the Catholic Church is they they heavily vet their people. I'm sure he did some studies on like demonology. I mean, you don't just become an exorcist with like without yeah. studying it at least. So I mean, I I know like because I've looked into it in the past on like how to become an actual demonologist, and uh, according to the Catholic Church, like they have classes that you have to go to. And then they like vet people and they only make people that they feel worthy to become exorcist, uh, to actually make them exorcist. So it's, it's not an easy task from what I understand to actually become recognized as an exorcist for the, the, the Vatican for the Catholic church. So I'm sure he did some studying, but he didn't have any actual experience hmm. until 1986 when he became the assistant they did some weird stuff in the Vatican. Maybe they had like some weird training room, and you had to fight demons and fight. No, they just have them sit in the classroom. <laughs> I've seen videos of, of like you know more modern times of like classes that they have to sit through and and they learn about this stuff. Maybe so that's what they want you to think. They have this whole secret Vatican training. I highly doubt program. It. Yeah, they're like Van Helsing. They're fighting vampires and they're fighting vampires demons. And, Ginger squatches. And oh man! You better I, get ready. I would know. 
Do you think we don't have meetings? <laughs> Better. <laughs> so he actually spent the next six years uh, studying and, and training and learning under under Father Candino. Learning uh, how to f- kill. Learning how to kill demons. Yeah, and the Vatican training program. Yes. <laughs> uh, when when Father Candino died in 1992, that's when Father Mort became the chief exorcist for the Vatican. How did he die? Because usually in some of these cases, your apprentice has to be the one that kills you. Well, being that this isn't Star Wars, <laughs> um, he died of uh, an illness that he had. He was sick. Oh. So, and he had been sick for years. I think that's why they, I think the Catholic Church knew that he was getting sick. I don't know what disease he ended up having, but I think they knew, uh, like, obviously. Demons. It was, yeah, his disease was demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, they knew, I think they knew that his health was declining, which is why they assigned Father Mort to him. To kill him. To kill him and take his Vatican powers. Because program. there can be only one. <laughs> the Vatican training program. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he was trained by um, the Sith uh, Lord Christopher, the Lam- Christopher Lambert. <laughs> yeah. Trained him on how Love to. the clouds. Um, yeah. Trained him how to use a sword. While they were filming in Ireland. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so 1992, he became the chief exorcist. When the Highlander came out, which right? which he ended up being the chief exorcist for like over 30 years. Um, yeah, because he died in 2016. Uh, so in 1990, though, before he became the chief exorcist, he actually got together with a a French exorcist named Father Rene Chenesso. I. Yes, one. Yeah, sure. Father Rene is what I'm going to call it. Okay, him. sounds good. Um, I like that. It was an international association of exorcists that they founded. Um, it was headquartered in Rome and was actually recognized by the Vatican. And he was the president of this organization until he retired in 2000. And like I said, he served as the chief exorcist until 2016. Um, now, he performed... A lot of exorcism. 900,000 or 700,000? 70. 70,000? Yeah. No, just just 70. No way. Yeah. No. No. Okay, so. 900,000. No, not that many. So in October of 2000, it was reported that he had performed over 50,000 exorcisms. So that's just eight years, or I guess it would be since he started training in... um, 1986 you were looking at like 14 years he supposedly did 50,000 exorcisms Mm -hmm. is what the report was now he said in march of 2010 that he was now up to 70,000 exorcisms so in the next 10 years he did 20,000 more exorcisms okay and then of may of 2013 that number jumped to 160,000 whoa so in three years he did, what is that, 60 plus 80,000 exorcisms in three years? I wonder how many he was doing a day. Just people coming to his house or having him go just house to house all day long with everyone saying they were possessed? Well, here's, here's how he explains it. According to him, each exorcism doesn't represent a victim of possession. Oh, uh, it's how many? It's each exorcism is counted as a prayer or ritual. So anytime he did a prayer to somebody, they counted it as an exorcism. The other, the other, here's the other 
caveat to that is um, some so some of the possessed victims required hundreds of exorcisms, mm-hmm. and the other part of that is like some of them, let's say, possibly have like thousands of demons inside of them, is what the claim is. So like let's say you have you know two thousand demons in you. He counts that as two thousand. Two thousand exorcisms. Okay. That's what I got from the research. Okay, that would make sense how the numbers get up there so much. But, because, yeah, it seems like the when he was doing, because I was watching the the documentary while he was doing the the exorcisms, they didn't last very long. No. And nobody's crawling on walls. No one's spinning their heads backwards. Nope. (laughs) They're not. (laughs) So there was actually a professor... Uh, of canon law his name was Ed, edward peters he he found the claims of um Amor th- saying that he did like thirty thousand exorcisms over nine years astounding um even accepting a morse claim that only 94 of his thirty thousand exorcisms represented full-blown possessions so i know that like basically he said maybe two percent of the people that he performed exorcisms on were actually possessed. Yeah. Like two. Uh, yeah. 2%. So like two out of like a hundred people mm-hmm. actually had actual demons in them. So it was, it was very rare. And I know like when he performed these exorcisms, from what I understand, he went through like a rigorous process. And, and I know that like before 1999, I guess the church didn't really have the Catholic church didn't really have a, like a set set of rules on exactly how to go about. They were just killing people. Yeah. Shooting them in the head. Well, I mean, that was the Crusades. Um, <laughs> join us or die. Um, They're like, oh, no. he's got the demons. Well, you know what to do. Yeah. So, well, they kind of do that in the movie, sort of. Yeah. As uh, at the very beginning, they they shoot a pig. Um, but here's the thing is, before he would actually perform these exorcisms, he would you know, look at their medical records. He would oftentimes show up with, medical professionals like a doctor and psychiatrist and from what i understand the catholic church is like they don't just willy-nilly send someone out to perform an exorcism like there is a process that you have to go through and i know like uh ed warren even though he wasn't uh a catholic priest he did work hand in hand with a lot of catholic priests and a lot of the times from what i understand ed warren was sent out by the Catholic Church to kind of vet people to see if it was legit before they even send like a priest out. Right. But they, yeah. like there's a whole process to that people have to go through before they're even considered to be like full blown possession. And a lot of the times that people that Father Mort were dealing with were most they were most likely suffering from some sort mental. of like mental illness or some kind of physical disease. Like we've, I've been on cases where people thought they were possessed and we ask them, you know, if they're doing any drugs or anything like that. And one guy is like, yeah, I did LSD. It's like, um, okay, maybe you're hallucinating. So, I mean, there's all sorts of things that cause people to think that they're possessed. And what I've noticed is, and I mainly, maybe this is just because of, of how, people work but i've never met someone or heard of someone that isn't like really religious that doesn't follow any religion being possessed 
Right. Most people are either a member of some sort of religion. Yeah. And even growing up, I grew up LDS. Like, I never heard of anyone in the LDS church being possessed. I don't think I ever did. Although I did hear one story of uh, one of my seminary teachers. That's the seminary, If for those of you that don't know, in, in high school here. Church class. It's a church class. Basically, you're released from your high school for one hour to go to a, a separate building that's usually not considered part of the school property, but it's somewhere on the school yep. grounds. The separation of church and state is a chain link fence. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or in our case, where we went to Hillcrest, it was the parking lot. Yeah, um, that was the separation of church and state in Utah. Yeah, so you'd go and you'd you'd study about the the Mormon religion during the seminary class. So I had a seminary teacher tell me once, I think it was while he was on a mission or someone he knew was on a mission. Um, that's where you go out and you teach people about the LDS church or whatever religion. I know other religions have missionaries as well. Um, but there was, there was someone that like, I guess they went and saw like a healer of some sorts and the guy had broken his arm and they went and saw the healer and the healer like unbroke his arm, like fixed his arm. Right. And so this kid started questioning his religion and was, and he was going to go home. Uh, but I guess like his mission president said, you know what, before you go home, do you mind if I give you a blessing? And the kid agreed to it. And during the blessing, the, the guy had said to the kid, you know, if there's any unclean spirits in your body, I cast you out now. And apparently from what, from what I remember this story going, when the mission president said he cast out any unclean spirits, the kid's arm rebroke. He broke it. He did it to that kid. Well, you ain't so, going nowhere. Well, so the, <laughs> no. So the story is, is when that that healer, quote unquote healer, did whatever they did to heal this kid's broken arm. It was he put some sort of evil spirit in him, and that the evil spirits would fix his arm. So, like, some people might consider that a form of possession, but I don't know that I would. So Sounds I mean, like to to be honest with you, like actual full blown possession, even according to Father Mort, is super rare. Sounds like that missionary president broke it again. Probably <laughs> he's like unclean spirits, be gone, crack. Snaps it. <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell you right now what that was. <laughs> this unclean spirit that was put in your body. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, according to Father Mort's claim. Um, like this guy has said, if he accepts the claim that 94 out of the 30,000 existences represented were full-blown possessions, that he would have to have uh, done roughly one case a month to be thoroughly examined and processed over nine years with hardly a break. So he would just have to be constantly like... That's what I was saying. Yeah. Like all day long. But like I said, he accounted for the high numbers by the, the people be, might be possessed by more than one demon at once and sometimes numbering in the thousands. So that's how he came up with those numbers. He also attributed the number of exorcisms formed to his opinion that people have lost faith and superstition, magic, Satanism, or Ouija boards have taken its place, which then open up all the doors to the presence of demons. So, um, if you do any of these things, like you could be manipulated by thousands of demons. So like I said, if, if according to him, if you had, a thousand demons in you, and he performed like a fifteen-minute exorcism. That's a thousand exorcisms. I want to see how many actual individuals that he helped. 
See, I would like to, but I, I, yeah. I couldn't find that anywhere. Who's keeping his track records for him? Uh, he did. Ah. Maybe his assistants? I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't find that information. It's just how many he performed. Um, what I thought was interesting is when he was asked whether or not the devil can strike inside the Vatican, he actually stated he already did. Or he already he already tried. Um, and he said he did back in 1981 by attacking John Paul II by working with those who were armed with the uh, Al-Agaya. Agaka? Ag- oh, when he got shot? I guess. I don't know. Hmm. It's possible there was a mm-hmm. Pope Pope John Paul II and got shot in nineteen eighty one. I think so. Okay, I can't remember or assassination oh. attempt. I don't know. Yeah, I so wasn't born yet. So I mean, that's I wasn't either. So yeah, according to Father Mort, he um, actually the devil infiltrated the Vatican, and it was more through like temptation and sinning. It wasn't like any of the members of the Ved, the Vatican or the hierarchy or whatever. He's just looking in the window. Yeah, it's not like he, Making, it's not like he's saying like anyone got possessed. It was just more like people succumbing to temptation. Like, oh look, there's a devil's face in the window, and he's making sexual gestures with his hands. Damn devil! So he offered the following guidelines to those exercising the charism of exorcism: uh, any such person must be highly regarded for their prayer life, faith, acts of charity, and judgment. In addition, he must rely solely on the word of God and traditional prayer be completely detached from monetary concerns be profoundly humble and treasure obscurity Hmm. so that's that's what he said like people need to do if they're interested in becoming an exorcist don't have a life don't yes don't own anything yep (laughs) well i wish i could not have to worry about financial concerns right um the vatican law last confided the rights of exorcism in uh, 2004 in an updated Latin language document. So I do know that like most exorcisms now, if not all have to be either in Latin or language approved by the Vatican. So you'll never hear uh, exorcism performed in English. I don't think that's one of the approved ones. Really? Um, I think, I think most of them are done in Latin. And okay. I think Italian might be approved as well, since the Vatican's in Italy. Yeah. Um, some of the things I thought were interesting uh, on some of Father Mort's views, uh, he did not like yoga. Really? Why? So at a film festival, in a, at a film festival, um, and where he was introduced to the 2011 film about exorcism called The Right. Uh, he's quoted as saying that yoga is satanic because it leads to the practice of Hinduism. <laughs> and all Eastern religions are based on a false belief in reincarnation. <laughs> and practicing yoga is satanic. It leads to evil just like reading Harry Potter. <laughs> and the reason why he didn't like it, like he thought that like if you got interested in like magic or witchcraft or wizardry or anything like that, those were all signs of uh, evil. I like how... Another religion was automatically evil to him. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, it's all Eastern religions because, well, I mean, look at like Western religions right now, like Catholicism, Christianity. Um, the ones Mormonism. that say, "Join us or we'll kill you." Well, that was just the Catholics. Um, I think it was Christianity in the, in the whole. Well, the the Crusades was the the Catholics. Literally, the the Crusades was. 
join us or die. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was Catholicism. So, um, it wasn't all Christians. Yeah. Uh, unless you're the Westboro Baptist, and then, um, <laughs> and then you just boycott everything. Yeah. But yeah, Cancel so everything. like he even thought Harry Potter, Harry Potter was bad. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter was bad. Uh, but he's not the only one. Like there's there's religious people out there besides him that aren't even Catholic. Like uh, this other podcast I was listening to, he didn't grow up religious and his parents still thought like Harry Potter and stuff like that would lead to demonic possession, being interested in stuff like that. So there's, there's some people out there that are yeah. a little off the rocker. I think it's the Baptists that are like, everything's the devil. So have you heard about, uh, Emanuela or Landy? No. So there's actually a 2022, I think. Documentary on her on Netflix. It's called The Disappearance of uh, Emanuela. So mm-hmm. he had. So what I thought was interesting, this, they kind of hinted at this in The Pope's Exorcist. Um, there was a girl that in the movie he didn't help. Her name was like Rosa or something like that. Okay. Yeah. And she had a, a mental illness and she ended up. Um, jumping off the roof of a building and killing herself. Mm-hmm. And they kind of hinted at like the priests and that were kind of sexually abusing her in the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. So that they say is kind of loosely based on this, uh, Emanuela. So, um, Emanuela was a 15 year old girl that disappeared in Rome in 1983. So, uh, Morris claimed that, her disappearance, um, like the Vatican school girl that went missing in 1983. Uh, he says that she was kidnapped for a sex party by gang involving Vatican police and foreign diplomats. He said that she was later murdered and her body disposed of. He also claimed that girls were recruited at the Vatican for parties, uh, adding that, that her death was a crime with sexual motive. And as of right now, they still don't know what happened to this girl. That went missing in like 40 years ago. Oh, shit. So, like I said, the claim there is that the certain people in the Vatican were like kidnapping girls and and sex trafficking, more or less. Believe it. And like I said, they kind of hinted at that a little bit in the movie with the girl that committed suicide. They were hinting at that, like, she was being abused in a sexual manner things have came out now that it's hard not to believe <laughs> so uh the movie like i said completely fictitious but it's still worth watching especially it's on netflix like you don't you're not really <coughs> out money so by watching this, there was but. another movie that was made that was loosely based off of some of his stuff which i wasn't sure if this was what they were referring to when he was getting talked to by these other archbishops or whatever but there's that movie that came out of uh what was it in 2011 maybe later the exorcist of emily rose oh yeah i've heard of that but i haven't seen it and that's the one where she ends up like dying she she dies and the whole movie's kind of based about her being possessed and the exorcism that was happening and her dying in the process of the exorcism. And there was, I guess, a, something in one of his uh, stories or that he's done where they kind of took that story and kind of loosely based that whole thing off of one of his events. But um, I wasn't sure if that was what was going on when he was getting talked to 
with all those archbishops in the movie. Well, when he was getting talked to, part of it was because, um, like I said, he would perform these prayers and stuff on people that thought they were possessed. That he knew. That oh, it was just, because of the one the, the it's, pig. It's it was because pig. so it was pig. the start of the movie, yeah. he knew this guy wasn't possessed. It was just something mental going on with him. So he had like convinced this guy that the spirit had jumped out of his body into the pig. Mm-hmm. And then that's why they shot the pig to show oh, that yeah. the demon was dead, right? Yeah, I remember that. And that's when the guy was better. And they they talked to him about like the way he did some of these exorcisms or how he was doing them. Like that one uh, in the movie wasn't approved as an exorcism, right? But he was saying that wasn't an exorcism. Yeah, yeah he said it wasn't right. an exorcism because it was just a mental illness. Okay, I, I was trying to remember there was something that they were talking about that was that was tied to one of his events, and I wasn't sure if that was. Also, one of the reasons why he's being talked to, but no, it was just that because of that one thing. What was up with that one archbishop? Seeming like he was such a bad guy. I don't know. He's all. Well, I mean, that's all. That's all make believe. None of that. Yeah, happened, but he so. was all always scowling, like he was like just so against everything for no reason. Just hated uh, Father and Mort for. Well, I guess the whole thing is like the the young the young people are coming in and they're they're There's changing the way. ways. They they don't want to. They, they don't. don't they don't believe anymore. that. They don't believe that evil exists, and they want to get rid of the exorcists. Yeah, and that's when he's like, "Well, what's the like, point um, of uh, having a religion then?" <laughs> yeah. So none of that happened. But I hate to break it to you, I'm I'm like ruining it for everybody. So Father mm-hmm. Mort actually wrote several books, uh, all of them in Italian. Not everything is translated over to English, but some of the ones that have been, uh, I will tell you real quick. I'm gonna buy some of these because. Out of all the like people that we've studied over the years, I'm just fascinated by this guy because of some of the stuff he did during his exorcisms, and we'll get into that in a minute. It would be best if he could get the Audible with Russell Crowe reading it with his weird accent. Well, it's, <laughs> you can get these on Audible, but not Russell Crowe, unfortunately. <laughs> Damn it. So he has one called An Exorcist Tells a Story, An Exorcist More Stories, uh, An Exorcist Explains the Demonic, the Antics of Satan and His Army of Fallen Angels, he has another one called The Devil is Afraid of Me, The Life and Work of the World's Most Famous Exorcist. He's got Father Mort, My Battle Against Satan. Father Gabrielle, Gabriella Mort, The Official Biography of the Pope's Exorcist. And then The Pope's Exorcist, 101 Questions About Father Gabriella Mort. So some of the, those are some of the ones that you can actually um, buy that are translated into English. So unless you know Italian... Then you can get all of his books. You can buy them all anyways and just learn Italian so you can read them. I'm sure there's a way to get it translated. Probably. Those are the only ones that have been translated to English as far as I know. Now, while I was doing research on this movie, I found a 2017 documentary called The Devil and Father and Mort. Mm-hmm. And watch we watched, I had you watch it. I watched it. I know DVO said he was going to watch it. I've watched it like two or three times now. And I thought it was super interesting. So this documentary was actually filmed in 2016. And it was written and directed by... Um, the name escapes Same me. guy that did The Exorcist. The guy that, the guy that directed The Exorcist. Uh, William... Um, Hung. William Hung. Yes, she bangs. <laughs> Uh, no. What's his name? Anyways, the, did you know that the that director died? Like, on the 7th of this month? 
Oh, really? Yeah. He looked pretty old when he did that. Like, he sounded really good for as old as he looked. William uh, Fried, uh, Friedkin. William Friedkin. The guy that directed The Exorcist in 1973, too, whenever the hell it came out, um, did this documentary. And what was funny is, I guess, Father Mort had actually said The Exorcist was his favorite movie because it showed people, like, what it is that he actually does. Um, obviously, not all possessions are that extent, like, where you're head spinning and you're uh, doing naughty stuff with the crucifix and <laughs> spider walking and peeing on the floor and um vomiting and all that like it's not to that extent but it kind of opened people's eyes up to what he does and that's why he liked that movie so i guess uh william reached out to father mort and asked if he could meet meet him and well father mort instantly said yes like he was super excited to do it so they got to talking and um at one point i guess he wanted to know if he could film an actual exorcism taking place. And Father Mort said, let me get back to you on that. And then it was a couple days later when Father Mort had called William and said, yeah, we can do it. But you can't have a film crew. You, there's no lighting or anything. You, all you can bring in is just one like little camera. And so basically, like, it looks like the camera that he used wasn't like an actual camcorder. It's like one of those digital like photography cameras that can do video. Mm. This is what the camera looked like. So it didn't. It wasn't an actual like camcorder from what it looked like in the documentary. By the way, this documentary. Um, before we get too much into it, it is on Crackle. Crackle. It's a free streaming service, um, and it's probably about an hour and a half long. He does talk a little bit about some of the stuff that like how the Exorcist was made. He does, there's a brief interview with uh, William Blatty, the writer of the book of The Exorcist. Um, but what I thought was interesting was not all that stuff. Um, it was more when they start interviewing this uh, couple. I believe they're from Italy, I want to say, but I'm not sure. They're yeah. not even a couple. They're brother and sister. Couple is not the right word. Um, they're not from here. Um, they're not from Alabama. <laughs> Anyways, so he interviewed this brother and sister named Paulo and uh, Nadia. Okay. Uh, so how this all started uh, with Nadia is, I guess she went to a sanctuary with a friend. And when she got there, when the mass started, she started to cry and her body began to shake and, and she fell into a sort of a trance. Okay. And then I think it was later, like when she got home, she actually called Paulo for help and asked him to come over. And when he got there, she was screaming like crazy and to the point where like it was loud enough, I guess someone called the police, right? Police show up and they were terrified by her screaming and they wouldn't even come into her house. Right? Just off her screams? Yeah. Her screams were so like crazy. They, the, the police wouldn't come in. Um, I guess she started uh, showing signs of extraordinary strength. She became really strong. Um, her body began to change into something not human. Apparently she started slithering on the floor and speaking a strange language. Uh, Paula said that she looked like a wild animal and her belly was swollen like a balloon that was about to burst. Um, ap after several episodes of stuff like this happening is when they went to see Father Mort. So I think he reached out to Father Mort before 
you know, asking for help. And one of the first things that Father Mort did was ask to see her medical records to make sure it wasn't a psychological disease. Again, he he did kind of vet people to make sure that it was like legit a spiritual disease is what they were calling it. Damn, how, how many times do you think this group, that shit happened before he actually came out there? Well, again, I think this happened over a period of like several months before they finally got him out there. And like, like, oh shit, she's doing that thing again. Her belly's getting all big. She's right. slithering around. <laughs> what yeah, the well, hell do I mean, you like, do? they they literally <laughs> said that like she transformed into something that looked not human. Yeah, like, almost, almost like serpent like. Like, what do you do? That just becomes like a normal thing in the house. You're know, like, oh, she's just there. She goes. She's Nadia's, slithering again. Nadia is a snake again. <laughs> Like, I don't know. Like, what would you do? I don't even know. Like, do you put her in a cage? Like, do you <laughs> chain her up so she doesn't slither down exactly. into a river? I don't know. Into a river? Yeah. Like, those are just around all the place. Who knows? They're in another country. They, this is true. Rivers are common. <laughs> <laughs> so, when he first met her, the first time they ever met, um, she went into an extreme state of panic. And Paulo, he had Paulo take Nadia into her room where his assistants were waiting. Uh, that's where the first exorcism on Nadia took place. What's funny is like she said that Father Mort was uh, was funny and ironic. She wasn't afraid of him, and he helped her to understand what was happening to her. So I was a little confused about like what they were saying because like right off the bat is like oh he shows up and she enters the state of panic, but then she goes on to say that well, I wasn't afraid of him. And he was, he was funny. So, uh, one of the things that Father Mort did at the, and they, in, in the exorcism that they filmed in this documentary, he actually put his thumb on his nose and they, they call it thumbing his nose or sometimes he'd like blow a raspberry before starting the exorcism. <laughs> so that's one of the things that I liked. Like he, he tried to remain lighthearted and have a sense of humor about this stuff because mm-hmm. he, it was his way of showing the devil, according to him, showing the devil that, you know, he wasn't afraid, and the, I guess the devil didn't like the jokes. That's why he would do it. So, like, I don't know if you noticed that in the video, in the documentary. He actually did that at the start of the exorcism. I know that. They, I remember someone mentioning that, that he tells one of his famous jokes or something. So, yeah. At the, this was uh, Paulo and Nadia. Yeah, his brother. Yeah, the so, brother, yeah. so, I guess over the course of eight months, he performed, like, four or five exorcisms on Nadia. Uh, the first exorcism, they were the most violent ones. Uh, it took about four people to hold her down so he could perform the exorcism. The second exorcism, they ended up having to tie her to the bed. Okay. Uh, the last two exorcisms, the intensity of her strength, they noticed was decreasing. Like it was not as strong as it was before. And I guess after the fourth exorcism or so, uh, Father Mort told her that it was over and that she was liberated. And then after that, she said she felt like a huge weight had been lifted out of her. And then they were kind of concerned about Paulo. Um, there is, a th- I guess there's a thing called transference where it's possible, like, and you see this a lot of movies. I mean, if you've seen The Exorcist, it happens in that. Um, you've seen it in The Conjuring 3 where, like, some people might in the movies are say, you know, hey, take me over instead of them. Like, leave them alone, take me. But there's also... A chance during an exorcism that if they successfully exercise the demon from the the person that the demon could just jump into somebody nearby 
And I've seen this in a lot of movies about exorcism and, and demons and stuff like that, which is why I thought it was interesting. Um, uh, before I jump too far in. So after he tells her that she's liberated, they're concerned about Paulo because of the transference. So they do a, like a 15 minute exorcism session on him. And that's at the end of the exorcism. That's when he told one of his jokes and father and Mort said, compared to what I usually deal with, you're bursting with health. Mm-hmm. Um, so that leads into this other girl. Uh, I believe she was a 46 year old architect that got to the point to where this, this stuff was so bad that she couldn't work anymore. But <coughs> Paulo is the one that introduced, I guess he started working with father Mort after this and kind of helping him out with some of his cases. And he's the one that noticed some of the stuff going on with Christina. And that's who the, in the documentary, they actually, show this like 20 minute exorcism session yeah and she didn't believe that she could have been possessed until after so many things were brought to her attention that she didn't realize and yeah so there was stuff that like she didn't even remember happening that people were telling her like hey you did this and she's like really and uh a lot of the the signs that people look for when they're saying that, that someone's possessed especially the father of mort is that like they have like an aversion to holy symbols like the cross or holy water, stuff like that. Or like when you invoke the name of Jesus Christ, um, they can't be around stuff like that. So apparently Paula was at like a church or something and um, heard Christina or saw Christina showing some of these signs of, of possession. And that's when he got Father and Mort involved. And I know over the, I, I don't remember how many years it was or how many months, but I know that at the point of this documentary, when they let um, William come and film the exorcism, she had already had eight previous exorcisms. This was the ninth that he got a film. Mm-hmm. And it's probably one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Like it, like I said, he started out with putting his thumb on his nose and wiggling it. They, they Like I said, they call it thumbing the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he did in this particular one. What I thought was interesting is um, this exorcism, this one that they filmed took place in 2016 mm-hmm. on May 1st. Yeah, this was... Why, why, why do you think <clears throat> May 1st is interesting? Do you, mm-hmm. do you remember from the beginning of the episode? He was born on May 1st. He performed this exorcism oh. on his birthday. So he would work holidays... Uh, he would work Easter. He would work all the time, and apparently even on his birthday. So, like, this is how much he valued, like, other people and helping people. Like, a day that, for me, like, <laughs> I took two weeks off for my birthday, and I didn't do anything. Uh, he was exercising people. He was doing exorcisms on his birthday. This this exorcism, um, I mean, I've never seen anything, like, live, live like that. Where I think this is the only one that's ever been filmed. Yeah. Like legit exorcism. I've seen like Paranormal State where they're like doing they some bring stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, nothing against Chip Coffee. He's a great guy. I've met him. But like him, but they and bring like him in father. and like some other priest in and they're like performing exorcisms mm-hmm. on Paranormal State. Um, yeah, this it's, was... a, it's a, one of those ghost hunting shows that was put together by some guy that used to go to Penn State. That's why it's called Paranormal State. But watching that, I'm like, I know there's a lot more that goes into this that. You can't just send, like, the local priest to come and perform an exorcism. So, the shit that was going down in that exorcism, the voices that were coming out of her mouth sounded like 
Like it was made in by, you know, like in the movies. Yeah. It was like, it sounded synthesized. Like there was two voices coming out at the same time. Yep. And like you could hear the different octaves of the two voices. And she was screaming, screaming these things and like screaming at them for like it was a demon yelling at them saying that she is his or like she, you know. That but she's like, let, let her go. Like, let her go. She's mine. Like, no, never. She's mine. She's mine. No, you can't have her. Yeah. And at one yeah. point, I guess he asked uh, how many are in there. And they're like, armies. We have armies. There's armies of us. Yeah. And what's funny is like, I don't know. When you watched it the first time, did you get chills or anything? When I heard that, I was like, what the shit is this? Yeah. I was pretty freaked out when I first heard that, uh, that I, voice. I wasn't. You wasn't? No. I was like... I was, I was kind of in a state of disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. I was like that because I couldn't believe it. My, is this being... Is this a real uh, documentary or is this was this made like... Uh, did they edit this to make that sound? That yeah. was my thought. Is it... Quit bumping my... Oh, sorry. My sounds great. Um, so that was my thought was that they edited the sound in. Mm-hmm. And I've gone back and listened to it a couple times. Um, I'm having technical difficulties. Sorry. So I've gone back and listened to it a couple times, and um, I'm just I'm not sure. Like I started kind of getting the chills. Like I was listening to it when we were on our break at work. I was playing it for my coworker, and he was like, "What the hell is that?" And um, and I'm gonna. I actually. Actually, I don't know. I don't need to hear. Yeah. It's probably my, I probably need to buy new headphones. I'm going to put your brother's headphones on. Go ahead. It's driving me crazy. I'm sorry. I apologize. We're using these ones. Okay. Uh, So I actually took some, I clipped some audio from this exorcism. Yeah. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Well, I've heard it, but I think everyone else wants to hear it. I know you've heard it. That was a rhetorical question. I'm going to play it. Yeah, I know you're um, going to play it. <laughs> so the first one I'm going to play, I think, is... Now, this is all in, I'm assuming, Italian or Latin. or I don't know what language they're speaking. It's not English. Yeah, um, I'm so Italian. Part of it, you're going to hear, like, Father or Mort. And then part of it, you're going to... Oh, my goodness. You're going to hear the other voice. So I try to, like, play some of his voice so you, so you can hear, like what he sounds like and then the other voice so um this one the first one's gonna be kind of quick on the voices but here we go i think this is one where he's like telling the spirits to leave the person and it's yelling this is what the caption says is like never never that she's ours and uh here we go Okay, so this next one, I think, is when he's, like, asking, like, how many are in there, like, you need to leave again, and it's, like, yelling and saying, like, no, there's armies of us in here, as according to the captions, but... 
figliola liberala da Satana e dagli altri demoni che la tormentano. Siamo eserciti! Esercitate! That voice. Yeah, that voice. So when I first heard that, I was just kind of like listening to it now. I'm like, it gives me chills yeah. a little bit. But like, I, at first, I'm like, I'm watching her mouth, and like her mouth is moving when this is happening. But at first, I'm just like, did he go through and edit this? Because that was my first thought. Like, how so, does this? How does somebody make that kind of a tone? Right. Yeah, it's insane. And like you actually in the documentary, you hear her talking beforehand. Like normal. Mm-hmm. And. Well, the things doesn't start coming out until like as he's doing like, because she's not being like that right off the bat or anything. No, it's she, when he starts She the meets him and like talks to him because they've met before. And then she's well, like, yeah, they're doing the prayers. Exorcism. Yeah, they're doing the prayers. And then all of a sudden it starts coming out while they're doing the prayers. Yeah. Pretty nuts. Well, then it shows later on in the documentary, like they he takes the video around and shows it to a bunch of um, like neurologists and, and psychiatrists and stuff like that, and asks what they think. And from what I gathered, a bunch of these the doctors they're like they didn't really have an explanation. They're like, I don't think this is something that physically can happen, especially like where it sounded like multiple voices were coming out at once. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, when I first watched this, I was kind of in a state of disbelief. And I apologize if I probably should have put like a, well, I, I mean, I did mention I, I'm playing the voices. Yeah. Like if, if it sets anybody off, I, I apologize. But um, Sets anyone off. I don't know. Maybe some people like can't handle hearing stuff like that. But it's a little creepy. And my, like I said, my first initial Well, if they're listening was, to this podcast, they're in here for the spookiness. This is true. Yeah. But, so you're going to get spookiness, damn it. From us. Yeah, we're going to give it um, to you. So, yeah, like I said, my initial thought was that it was edited somehow. But when it showed him, like, showing the video to the doctors and stuff like that, like, I just, I don't know. Like, I want to believe that I, the, the thing that kind of gets me or makes me think that it wasn't edited is because everything I've read about Father Mort, I don't think that he would have allowed for that to happen. But then again, he could have done, like... The editing and not told Father Mort about it. I mean, the documentary came out like a year after Father Mort died. Damn. But I, I don't mean, know. Like, I mean, I know there's some people that I I want your opinions on this. Like, leave us comments on social media. Or yeah. Email us what you think. But I I don't know. I'm still a little torn. Like, I want to believe that that's legit because that's what the guy said. But part of me wants to like. I mean, it is. He is a filmmaker. And right, filmmakers have. I mean, just because audio, just because he took in just a simple like camera and was able to record video on it, doesn't mean that he wasn't able to then edit, set, edit film. some sound into there or have like a sound editor do it for him before going around and showing this video to all these doctors and then posting the documentary. I mean, like this was filmed May first, two thousand sixteen. The documentary came out. In 2017, almost a year later. Well, like that, that sound is very similar to the sound that they do on movies and stuff, right? It is. It's very similar. And so, like, when I heard that, it's like, I've heard that tone before in movies for the similar type of thing. So. And so it um, is like that thing that's like, holy shit, is that real? Or is that like 
I don't think think that the exorcism itself was staged because I don't think Father Mort would have allowed for that. Right, but that sound. But the sound itself, I'm, I'm, I'm very skeptical of. Yeah. Because, like... It's one of those things I where I wish I I do want to believe it, and I wish I could have been but in the I room when it happened. Want to be there to, yeah. But here's the, here's the thing, it. like where we talked about the whole transference thing earlier, and how they're worried about it possibly jumping into somebody else. Did you notice how many people were in that room when he was performing this exorcism? Yeah, there's probably like twenty. Yeah, and so if they're worried about it, like any one of you can get it. Right. Any one of you. Well, and here's the thing: is what they did later in the documentary is they showed that. They set her aside. And then they shot her in the head. And they shot her in the head, and it was, you've been liberated. Um, no, they started performing, like, prayers or exorcisms on her parents. And she started freaking out again. Like, her boyfriend had to hold her down. Do you remember that part? Oh, yeah, because it was still in her, yeah. 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 So the voices started coming out again, and she wasn't even the one that was being, having the prayers on. They were saying the prayers to her parents. Mm-hmm. Like her mom and dad took turns sitting in the, the chair, uh, getting the prayers done. And it was shortly after this, uh, the, when father Mort became ill, like he ended up passing away like two months after this exorcism took place. Right. What I thought was interesting is, uh, I didn't have a chance to write down exactly what, uh, William said, but uh, he did, I guess, keep in contact of Christina and wanted to, continue like see how her progress was going and i remember him saying that he set up a date for them to meet so he can interview her and talk to her and they set up a date and time at a certain like church that was on top of this mountain they had to climb like a mile up to get to or something like that and he was in the courtyard where they had agreed to meet oh that's right yes right and she's nowhere to be found well no she had called uh, well, so they get to the location where they were supposed to meet, right? And mm-hmm. she's nowhere to be found. Okay. It's while they're waiting for her, that's when she calls. And she's like, where are you? No, what happened was the day before the, they were supposed to meet, she called them again and told them that not to meet her there, to meet her somewhere else. Then so they don't meet her where they had planned. They met her at the place where she had called oh, them. Okay, I must. Have and so that they called her because she was not there. After a while of waiting for her, they called her and was like, "Hey, well, when she answered, no, she, she was mad at them. Going, where are you? Yeah, it's like where are you guys? And she's like, oh, where where you told us to be? And she's like, I told you to be here, and you're not here. Like, no, you called us and told us to be here, and that's why we're here. So they, yeah. So there was like, uh, they're like, calm down. It's just probably some miscommunication. And um, they ended up going to the first place where they originally were supposed to meet. Mm-hmm. They go into the church, and I know William says that he wished he brought his camera in with him, but he didn't. And he, like, him and the assistant, the guy that he was with, they were absolutely, like, terrified about the the conversation that took place with Christina and themselves. Um, so this is this is him, what he says, the interaction between them and Christina was when they finally met up with her like the next day or whenever the they were supposed to have met up. And I entered the church. It was freezing cold inside and we were trapped in a living nightmare. Christina was screaming. She slid around the floor in a cheap plastic chair pulling her boyfriend Davide with her. 
tried to hold her around the waist and throat. Give us back your film, he shouted at me. No, I want it shown, she screamed in the voice of the demon. I was terrified. Davide stared at me. If you don't give it back to us, we'll kill you. We'll find your family and we'll kill you all. It was the first time anyone had threatened my life. Francesca. So that was the interaction, uh, I guess, that he had with Christina after the exorcism took place. Crazy. When they when they had their meetup. And I think I was wrong. I think I mentioned that it, like Christina was wanting the film back, but it was actually, I guess, her boyfriend. And the, the demonic entity was like, no, we want the footage shown. Mm-hmm. Which I think it was weird. you think it would be the other way around. The demon would be like, no, give the footage back. No, he wants to be seen. He wants to be seen. I guess it's a prideful thing. Like, wants to show its power and what mm-hmm. it can do. Well, like in the movie, too, it was trying to do these uh, things where it was... M- Possessing multiple people at once. Yes. Showing its power. Yep. Yeah, it actually did that in the movie. Yeah, possessed the both the kids mm-hmm. at the same time. It was doing some shit where it's like, you know, this demon had this all this power to like throw people around and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't think that's a thing. No, not at all. I I know that uh, in one of the exorcisms that Father Moore did, he did say he saw actual like levitation. Mm-hmm. But that's probably the closest you get to anything you see in Hollywood. I mean, everything gets drummed up to to be scary. Yeah, and I mean, I wonder if what he had to do during those like ninety eight out of the hundred ones where it's something like mental, where he's just like I wonder he's just pretending to go along with people to make him feel better. Just saying a prayer. Sometimes a prayer can help, I guess. Just help people feel better. Probably goes through a lot of pigs. Yeah, I think they only did that in the movie. I don't think they actually did that in real life. <laughs> I think part of that was based on like him actually like tricking people into thinking that he exercised a demon out of them. Into and, this pig. Into, shoots the pig. Yeah, no, not that part. Yeah. Just the saying the prayer so people think that they've... You just go around shooting pigs in everyone's house. Or you can just not get on that. And... Why are you stuck on that? I don't so know. weird. Because I just, I've watched the start of the movie probably like three or four times. Yes, Father and Mort carried around uh, 160,000 pigs and shot them all. And that's how we it's have. It's a parting gift. That's how it's we a have, parting gift that he leaves every time. That's how we have bacon. Um <laughs> No, I think he just did the, the went through the motions saying the prayers and that just so people would feel better. Yeah, most likely. So yeah, tell us what you think, if that voice is real or if it's been edited. You can do so by emailing us at evp.pod at gmail.com or checking out our social medias, evp.pod at Facebook and Instagram. While you're there, also click on our link to Ghost Stop to buy some ghost hunting gear. I've got a new list of stuff I want to buy. I actually went to Ghost Hunter store and I linked something to you guys. I don't know if you looked at it, but I saw something there. There's uh Ghost Hunter store is another place you can buy gear. They have this little handheld portable Jacob's ladder that I want. Interesting. I linked it to you. You obviously Okay, yeah. I no, I didn't look at it cuz I was probably somewhere far away when it came. That through. one um but most of the stuff like I've noticed on Ghost Hunter store is Ghost Stops stuff. So if you're going to buy something, 
Uh, just go to GoStop.com. <laughs> Use go, our link. Use our link on the social medias. Go to GoStop because literally like 90% of the stuff on Ghost Hunter Store is stuff that's made by GoStop. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the the ANC Mini is the other thing I almost bought the other oh, day. Yeah. It's one of those that you connect it to your SB7 or your SB11 or the S-Box if you buy that from GoStop. And then you have to have an external speaker as well. What the ANC, ANC Mini does is eliminates the white noise, so you're only hearing like what the spirit's supposed to be saying. Yeah, that'd be nice. So that is on my list of things to get. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I think we should call that an episode. Okay. All right, guys. Go see them play that. Peace out, butterflies. Peace <laughs> out, butterflies.